Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Friends, we started this sermon series called Outrageous Love. Uh, two, three weeks ago, we had um, Pastor Kevin York who shared with us about how the believers... Uh, the first church that ever existed, how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And they also devoted themselves to prayer. And that word devotion, it means to continue steadfastly, even though there may be difficulty. To continue steadfastly, even though there may be difficulty. And then last week we had Pastor Roger speaking so well about Moses and the call that was on Moses' life. You know, the words I walked away with there is when God called Moses, he said, I have come down. Imagine God saying, I have come down for you. I have come down for you. You're not going to do this alone. I'm going to help you to do life. I'm going to be with you. So today when we look at outrageous obedience... We're going to reflect on what does it mean to obey the word of the Lord, to respond to the call of God, to follow the call of God. I guess a different way of putting it is linked to the story that Nicola shared with us. I'm sure some of you, like me, are still recovering from that story, right? Wow. I was like, wow. You know, a different way of seeing the picture of what happened on the cross. So the question I have for us is, when we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, how should our response be? What should our response be when we think about the fact that He died for us on the cross? When we think about the fact that the way we live today is because of Jesus dying for us on the cross. I actually feel for people who don't have a relationship with God because I don't know how they're navigating the season. I don't know how. I mean, if, he, if Jesus is not Lord and Savior of your life, if Jesus is not that hope, that anchor for your life, how do you wake up in the morning and still face 40% of unemployment? How do you wake up in the morning and still face the crime, the corruption, and the state of the world today? Remember, Jesus is the only hope for the world. Jesus is the only hope for the world. So what should our response be when we look at the cross? I believe our response should be worship and obedience. Worship and obedience. So when you talk about outrageous call or outrageous obedience, I believe that uh, we need to ask ourselves the call of God that God has on our lives. How are we responding to that call? I know that most people will say, if only I knew what the call of God is for my life, then I will be good. Life would be dream. For some people who know the song, life would be dream if I knew the call of God. But I'm here to say to you, you don't have to wait until you know for sure what the call of God over your life is to start saving. You don't need to wait until you fully know what the call of God on your life is to start giving of yourself. And a good example is uh, in Genesis chapter 12. That's the scripture we're going to read today. How Abraham, before he was called Abraham, he was Abram. Before he was called the father of many nations. How he received the call of God. 
how he responded to the call of God, and how he journeyed with the call of God. When we talk about outrageous obedience, we have this example in one of the fathers of faith who, who is showing us how to respond to where God is calling us, even though we may not be completely clear what that call is, but we're going to respond with faith. So we're going to read uh, Genesis chapter 12. It is up here on the screen, but I'll also read it for us. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go to your country and your go. And the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lord went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh, at the time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent there on the west, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed. On there, still going on towards the Negev. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. So, friends, from this scripture that we've read, there's three things I want to look at: is the call of God on Abraham, how God called Abraham, and we're also going to look at how he responded to the call. Maybe we can learn a few things from there, and then we're also going to look at the journey, how he journeyed towards where God was calling him. So when we read the scripture, the first thing we see here is the letter go. God said to Abraham, go. Just for clarity, God did not say to Abraham, stay. What did God say? Go. He did not say stay. He said go. The last time I checked the word God, three-thirds of it, it means go. God is still calling us to go and not to stay. I mean, all of us are called to go somewhere. But it's amazing. We look here, it says, go from your country, number one. Go from your kindred, your, your relatives, your family. And also go from your father's house. To me, this speaks of place of identity and security. Imagine you have to give up the place of identity and security. Imagine you have to give up the, the things that actually you hold on to. This is who I am. But guess what? Whenever God calls, He provides. Whenever God calls, He provides. He was actually calling Him for something bigger. When He said to Him, go and live a place of security and identity, I'm calling you to something bigger. Look at the promises that follow. 
And I'm here to say to you that God's promises follow obedience. God's promises follows obedience. So I want us to look at these promises that we see here. And, and these promises basically, they remind me of myself when I uh, was growing up in Pochestrum and I went to what I call my exile in Buputatwana. When my parents, yeah, yeah, Buputatwana for me was exile. When my parents realized that I was getting more and more involved in the struggle against apartheid. And then I encountered the Lord. I got saved. I came to study at Verts. I had a scholarship to study at Verts. But fast forward, I, I see some Verts are excited, some Verts in the house, you know, that I mentioned Verts. Uh, UJ, we love you too. Later on, we'll speak about UJ. Right now, we're talking about Verts. Let's just enjoy the fact that uh, Verts is the number one university in Africa. Um, I know guys from UCT are like, oh, the last time I checked, oh, Stellenbosch. Back to the point, when I graduated and I felt the call of God to serve in ministry, you can imagine what my mom and dad went through. They're like, after you've been through vets, you want to go and become a pastor? You know, after all that, you're giving it all up to preach the gospel. But here's a brilliant answer. Jesus God speaks to Abraham and says, I will make of you a great nation. That's the promise of the Lord. I will make of you a great nation. And now, remember the context of this. Abraham was 75 years old, and together with Sarah, they didn't have children. They were barren. And I believe when God said, I will make of you a great nation, he was simply addressing that place of barrenness. He was simply saying, you can look at yourself now and say, what will become of me? But God says, I will make of you a great nation. And some of you here, maybe there's some barren areas in your life, and I'm bringing the promise of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord says, I will make you fruitful. I will make you fruitful. You know, when you look at these promises, see how the word I is repeated. Look at I. Just, just look at how I is mentioned there. If you can please help me there with the slides. Um, the word I is repeated so many times. God is saying, I am promising you all these things. He says, I will make of you a great nation. He was speaking specifically to the barrenness that was there. And then he says, I will make your name great. It was not Simon who said, I will make your name great. It was God who said, I will make your name great. Making your name great means influence. I will give you influence. By saying I'll give you influence, that influence is not for you. It's not for you to create your own brand. It's to create God's brand. The influence is given us. It's not for us to build our own influencer status. Nothing wrong if you're an influencer. I'm just saying that use your influence for God. Use it for God, because he's the one who promised that I'll give you influence. He says, you've given up so much, Abraham, but look at what I'm giving you. I will bless you. The word bless means increase and favor. I will give you increase and favor. Let me just see by a show of hands, has some of you ever been in places or meetings and you ask yourself, how did I make it here? Have you ever been there? You know, like this, many times you, you show up in a place and you're like, really me? 
That's the favor of God. That is the favor of God. I mean, when I look at where I come from to where I am now, it can only be God. You know, in the first service, there was a guy who, we, we asked first time guests, raise your hand. And I look at this guy with a mask. I like, I recognize the guy. He was with me at high school. He's been following me on social media. And he said, if this dude has come out like this, I want to go to this church. He was here this morning. Now, I don't want to tell you how I was before Christ. I'm just saying, God has blessed me. He's like, this dude is married. One wife. Wow, does God exist? And faithful to one wife for 21 years. And remaining faithful. It can only be the favor of God. It can only be the favor of God. Come on, brother. Come on. Influencer for God. I'm I'm praying all those classmates, they're going to come. They're going to come. You will be a blessing. So we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Going back to the point, Abraham, you've given up so much for the call of God, but you're gaining so much. You will be a blessing. You know, my wife and I have got this practice. Every time the Lord blesses financially, the first thing we do is, God, who do you want us to bless? I think we, we, we stole that from Roger and Nicola, you know, such generosity in this house. Like, you know, how, how can we be a blessing to others? We are blessed to be a blessing. And most of the times, Linda and I were like, okay, I'll say, baby, think of a, a figure, a number, and I'll think of a number, and nine out of ten, we come up with the same number. I've been trying to out, outgo her like a little bit, but every time she's got a, a number that matches my number, sometimes we even write it down because we understand we are blessed to be what? To be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. So we've given up so much for the call, but we receive so much. All these promises, I can take time to unpack all of them. But I want to jump to how Abraham responded to the call of God. Verse 4 says, Abraham went. Full stop in my Bible. I don't know your Bible. Abraham went. How did Abraham respond to the call of God? He didn't say, God, I don't have a GPS. He didn't say, God, I don't have a car. He didn't say, God, I don't have Uber money. Abraham went. Uh, let's read it in uh, Hebrews. Look at how they put it in Hebrews. If you go to the next slide, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. The Bible says, By faith, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go. When he was called to do what? To go, not to stay. When he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Those last words, they actually troubled me. How many of us will just go out and go to a place where we're not going, where we don't know where we're going? How many of us will obey? This is outrageous obedience. Bible says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. He didn't wait to debate with God or negotiate with God to answer all the questions before he stepped out. He stepped out by faith. And some of you today, I believe God is calling you to step out by faith in that business you've been trusting God for. Now, let me give you an example and a testimony. In the first service, the guy who was sharing the offering message, Nkosinati, what a brilliant guy. You know, I like it. He was coming to share for the first time. He was wearing a suit, like just like, People must know. People must know what God has done in my life. 
And Coach Nati shared a testimony. Two years ago, he believed God to buy a franchise, and he needed 1.5 million. And man, it was, it's been rough. Two years of not being able to raise 1.5 million. And he shared a story that he, he was blessed with some money, and he needed to give a tithe, and he was debating whether he should give a tithe or not. He decided to give a tithe, and after he's given a tithe, three weeks later, the CEO of this company, where he's trying to buy the franchise, called him and he says, we have 1.5 million for you. Just like that! Favor! Increase! I mean, now this guy's got a franchise, and I'm sure, like me, he asked himself, how did I make it here? By faith. We step out. He just stepped out by faith. By faith, we step out, we go, and God will meet us on the way. You know, I want to speak to the planners. If you are a planner here, you've probably already planned the next week, the next three weeks, the next three years, the next 10 years. You know, planners in the house, let me just speak to you. Sometimes you need to put your plan on the side to see the miracle of God. You need to just put the plan on the side and say, God, I'm going to step out in faith and you will meet me there. I mentioned in the first service that I can identify with planners because I'm a planner. So uh, my wife is good that when we go on holiday, we make the bookings, everything is set. And when we arrive there, my wife, she believes that holiday is about chilling. Some of us, holiday is about itinerary, day one. What are we doing? Day two. All the planners in the house. Day three. What are we doing? Day four. What are we doing? You know, you know, first few years of our marriage, we needed some marriage counseling because it was like, uh, but now we have found each other, you know. So I can go on holiday, have breakfast and say, what are we doing today, baby? In my heart, I'm like, <laughs> oh, yes, sir. I have a plan, but I've, I'm seeing how, how it, it, it ends up being the same with our kids. You know, one of our children happens to be like me. She's a planner without mentioning the name. You know, when we leave Joburg to go on holiday to Durban, so when, just after we just hit the N3, the first question is, how far are we, Dad? I'm like, we just hit the N3, girl. She's like, when is the next toll gate, you know? She takes my phone. She works out everything. The next toll gate. I'm like, chill, girl, chill. <laughs> the problem with planners is we sometimes miss the miracles of God because we are so fixated with the plan. And some of you, the Lord is speaking to you that maybe it's time just to take a risk. He will meet you on the way. Abraham left his source of security and identity to follow God's call. Abraham was 75 years old without a child, but it's amazing that uh, Abraham took his uh, brother's son, Lot, with him. If you read the previous chapter, you find that actually uh, uh, Lot's dad had passed away. And what an amazing practice within the hot climate cultures. You may know this, that if uh, a child doesn't have parents, the ones in the family who can't have children will take the child and look after the child. Or just generally, whether they have children or not, they will take over the child and say, we will raise, we'll look after the children. What a great practice. But I believe right here, Abraham was already practicing being a blessing. Because he understands, I'm blessed to be a blessing. He takes Lot with him. And finally, how did Abraham journey? It was a long journey. 
when you study the total distance from Haran all the way to Canaan, was about 12,000 kilometers. I did the calculation just for David Webb. Brother Webb is 7,500 miles. 7,500 miles. Now, think, you don't have the Mercedes-Benz, our excuses. You don't have a car, but God is saying, go to this place that you don't know what it is. And they obeyed. 12,000 kilometers, 40 days on the road. Verse 67, the Bible says, Abraham passed through the land to the place called Shechem, to the oak Moray. At that time, the Canaanites were there, still in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, to your children, I will give this land. So he built here an altar to the Lord. He built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So I like this. If you continue to read, you realize that later on he camps in in another place and he builds another altar for the Lord. But every time the Lord appears to him, he builds an altar to the Lord. So what is the significance of altar? Altar means that every time you have an encounter with God, the best thing you can do is to build an altar of worship to the Lord. So we need worship in the nations. We need to worship God who has shown himself so faithful to us. I guess a good way to put it is how John Piper puts it. John Piper says, missions exist because worship does not. Missions exist in nations today because worship does not exist. People have stopped worshiping God when they have had encounters with God. I mean, the best example is, is Europe. I mean, we prayed for Croatia this morning. We had a little bit about the history. I remember a couple of years back when I worked in Germany and visiting a church. And uh, in the church service, it was as if COVID had hit the area. It was just two front rows of people. The rest of the building, there were no people. And then I heard later on that they actually started selling church buildings to clubs I'm grateful to the Lord today that there's church movements that are acquiring those buildings and now there's revival in those buildings that have been abundant. Missions exist because worship does not. So Abraham received the call of God, responded with obedience, and on the journey, he worshiped the Lord. We are created for worship. We are designed for worship. If we do not worship God, we'll find something else to worship. We will end up worshipping our careers. We'll end up worshipping our homes. We'll end up worshipping the things that are meant to be memorials of God's goodness. An altar is a memorial to remind ourselves of the goodness of God, not to worship the memorial. As I close, there is a general call and a specific call for those who are wrestling with what is the call of God on my life? The general call is outlined in Matthew 28, where we are all called to go and make disciples of all nations. We are all called to go and make, know God and to make Him known. The specific call is the expression of your gifts and talents in all areas of society where God may call you to be. The specific call is like where your gifts, your talents meet a need in society and you get paid for it. Can someone say amen? Amen. When you can express your gifts and talents and you're meeting a need in society, 
and you get paid for it. That's when you know, man, I'm in the zone. But all of us, we are so waiting for being in the zone and getting to that place, we forget the general call is to go and make disciples. So at every nation, we know that we are called to church planting, world missions, and campus ministry. And the best way to describe that is, I want to share the story of one of the ladies that you saw in the video, Sipokazi. So Sipokazi was... uh, Discipled at UJ, all the UJ people, now is your time. (laughs) She was discipled at UJ, and while she was there, she didn't wait to know what the call of God is. She started serving, and as she was serving, she got involved with campus ministry. After she graduated, she went to school of campus ministry. After she graduated there, you can tell her heart was for missions, was to go to the nations. She went and served in Kenya for a few months, and then she came back. She was serving on staff here in the missions office with Tiam and in discipleship office. And she kept on saying, Pastor Sai, I want to go to the nations. And I tried to sway her away. I repent for doing that. I said, we need you here. You can go on 10-day missions. You don't have to go. Before you know it, she had uh, researched what is happening with human trafficking, and she felt like she needed to go and serve in Thailand. And as she's serving in Thailand, I feel like she's on the throes of hell. She's like taking women out of brothels. To give you an example, two weeks ago, it was her birthday. On the eve of her birthday, she says, Pastor Sai, I'm in prison. I said, what did you do this time? Thankfully, she was not arrested. She's saying, just pray for me. I'm here to take out two ladies who have been arrested because they were found as prostitutes. And they didn't want to disclose who their boss is or the pimp. And she's there on the eve of her birthday, setting the oppressed free. On the throes of hell, taking people out of hell into light. Those two women came out of jail. They got baptized. They are now being discipled. Because someone said, I will go. I will go. Let me read a text message she sent because we partner with her as a family, but also we partner with her as a church. She sent this message. Many people have heard of William Carey. Far fewer have heard of his good friend, Andrew Fuller. Like Carey, Fuller was nurtured in a theological context that wasn't congenial or friendly towards intentional evangelism and missions. And like Carrie, Fuller came to believe that every Christian was commanded to spread the gospel. That's our general call. And some were called to do so cross-culturally, to go to the nations. Before leaving for India, Carrie famously told Fuller, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. That's powerful. I will go, but will you hold the ropes? Fuller held the ropes by serving as president of the Baptist Mission Society from its founding until his death in 1814. He traveled all over the British Isles, raising funds, preaching missions-related sermons like Tiam. The missionaries in India and other early fields could concentrate in their ministry in the field because they knew Fuller was advocating for them back home. These are the words of Sipokazi. Thank you so much for continuing to hold the ropes for me as I continue to serve the marginalized here in Bangkok. When we support people like Margrethe, 
when we pray for them, we are holding the ropes. When we stand in the gap for them and pray for them, we are holding the ropes. Spokazi has been in so many dangerous areas. She will send a message, pray for me. I don't know what's about to happen. Will you hold the ropes? Will we hold the ropes for people who have raised their hands? And some of you may have to go to the nations. And we need to commit to holding the ropes for you. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father God, we know that you've given us this mandate to go preach the gospel. You've given us this mandate to know you and to make you known. You've given us influence not for our own names, but for your name. Father God, I pray even as we look at how we can support missionaries and how we can be involved in the work of missions, may we remember that this is our response to what Jesus did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.